absolute pleasure to have Kat Haddad join us on the back peg this week. And uh, Nathan, absolute uh, pleasure to have uh, Kat on and, and join us and talk in particular all things, you know, in the lead up to the Women's World Cup, which we're, um, as it stands today, we're sitting about eight weeks away. Coming up fast, isn't it, Laz? And great to hear some insights from Kat about the build up to the tournament, particularly as she's working with the broadcasters. Mm. And yeah, it's good to see that sort of perspective on the tournament coming up. And aside from that, it was a fun chat. And uh, thanks again to Kat for coming on. And she's welcome back anytime. Indeed, indeed. And uh, you can check out Kat and Claude's uh, on the Born Offside podcast. And uh, of course, Olan Tekas is the uh, only one that we haven't had join us yet. So we'll uh, might uh, give a shout out to Olan as well and see if we can get him to join us on the on the pod. Any excuse to do a little bit of Chelsea ribbing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, we you know, we did that with Claude's and we need to do it with all of yep. to be fair. <laughs> so, this week, what a week in football. Newcastle making the Champions League. Manchester yep. United, not quite sure yet. Surely, surely, <laughs> surely. Come on. One point against Chelsea and Fulham at home. Yeah, yeah. Surely. Will West London stop Manchester United? <laughs> They're going to join forces. <laughs> I reckon we could play them both at the same time across two games and we'd just about do enough, surely. I think Fulham uh, would be the concern as opposed to Chelsea. <laughs> I think it'll all be over Maybe. tomorrow morning as we record. <laughs> by the, time, yeah, by you the listen... time you listen to this, yep, yeah. it might be a bit of a, uh, what's the phrase, a um, a non-event. A f- yeah, a fait accompli. Yep, that's, that's what I was trying to find. That's what you're trying to and, find. Yes, Manchester United and Chelsea, it always seems to be a draw. Recently, it's probably going to be a one-all draw. It usually is, and hey, I'll take it. Fair enough. On that, yep. I hope it does get completed tomorrow morning and United aren't relying on picking up a result in the game on the weekend because with the FA Cup final a week and a half away, I don't want to see any starters playing against Fulham. None. Give them a week and a half off. I think Manchester United are going to have to put two teams together to try and beat Manchester City. I think the treble is on, my friend. Oh, I think the, tre- the treble is on. <laughs> oh, 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 did I'm you see? <laughs> did you see? Yeah, did you see the quality of football that was in that game uh, earlier this morning? Mm, yeah, it's Brighton. So Manchester City Brilliant. versus Brighton. You know, visiting Brighton and Hove Albion, and uh, good old Pep. You know, uh, admitted that they, you know, Manchester City were uh, on the cans. And had been on the cans before. <laughs> well, we've seen that. We don't need Pep to admit it. <laughs> that's right. And they basically drank Manchester dry. <laughs> Not then, easy to do. And that's right. And then 40 hours later, they're um, down to the south coast of uh, the UK and um, playing exquisite football against a quality football team in Brighton and Hove Albion. Hey, hey, maybe they're on the cans. They've taken their foot off the gas. They've lost focus. That's yeah, all I can hope. You That's all I can cling to. You keep telling yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> the treble is on, and how? Oh, oh, but geez. it isn't Manchester United hand. You know Manchester United's hands to stop the treble. So if it doesn't, if you know, if you guys don't win the FA Cup, well then you've only got yourselves to blame because I don't see into beating them. I saw Claude's mention on the Born Offside podcast this week because uh, I hadn't noticed it, but Claude certainly had that. The two teams standing in front of City's treble this season are the two teams who last won the trebles in their country. That is true. No, that is true, yeah. Manchester United 99 and Inter Milan 2010. Yeah, an incredible stat. I mean, and when you think Mm. of that Inter Milan side, they won the Champions League back then Mm. under the uh, one and only Jose. You know, respect, respect. 
<laughs> Seriously. I mean, that side was just had no right to win that Champions League final, I think, at that time. But they were just organized, you know, they were so well defensively organized and, you know, won the Scudetto easily that year. You know, took out the uh, Coppa d'Italia, which uh, Inter Milan won this morning as well against Fiorentina. So you had both European finalists playing in the uh, Coppa Italia final uh, with Inter uh, just edging it out 2-1. Yeah, and uh, maybe Inter need to channel some of that 2010 energy in a couple of weeks' time. I wonder if they can get Jose back for a game. (laughs) Special consultant. Jose can pick up two European trophies in the same season. That's right. No, yeah, I think Jose's got a previous engagement. That's what Roma's answer would be. Absolutely, absolutely. Liga de Europa, the Europa League. Mm, yeah, it's looking like a good season on the European front, really. When you consider all three competitions as a, as a collective, you've got the potential for three Italian champions. You've got good stories with West Ham potentially winning it, even though, really, when the competition kicked off they were immediately identified as one of the favorites mm. yeah you've got Sevilla potentially winning well, the Europa League again the same way that Real Madrid own the Champions League in effect Sevilla owns the Europa League ever since its inception it's ridiculous and whatever happens in the Champions League final it's going to be a massive story but looking yeah. at it from a neutral point okay. of view yeah if City win it it's their first ever might be a yeah. treble if Inter win it City have blown it and an amazing underdog story that Inter have lifted the trophy. And the Yaya Toure curse exists. And lives on. <laughs> lives on to fight another day. <laughs> um, look, do you really see in, in your heart of hearts, right, Do you, can you possibly fathom Inter Milan beating Manchester City? On what planet does that happen? 99 times out of 100, it doesn't happen. Oh, I don't see it. I just don't see it. And look, I think Serie A has made a bit of a resurgence, right? Because you look at the quality of football. I mean, you, you can't deny that on the European stage, they're there. All right? Inter Milan, Champions League finalists. You know, um, Roma, you know, Europa League finalists. You know, Fiorentina, Conference League finalists. So they're there, right? Now, and I would hazard a guess and say that I think that the Italians can pick up two of those tr- three trophies. I just don't see, and unfortunately, you know, for me, Manchester City will win this Champions League. Yeah, it's hard to see a route as to how Inter can even get on the score sheet rather than keep City out of their own their own net because just they look so comfortable in so many games, Manchester City. Mm. It's unlike United's 99 treble where they were fighting in every game. Correct. And it was really close in a lot of those matches. There were a lot of late goals and... It was just one match after the other, and the momentum was just—it just kept the team t- ticking over. This city team are making it's it look just, easy. Just a machine. They're just a yeah. machine. It's just—it's just ridiculous, right? So, I think Inter Milan—the only way that they can win it, from what I can see, right? And I'm already talking out of my backside here, right? I'm prepared to stand by it. Well, that would make that, for a change. Well, it would make for a change, <laughs> but uh, I think that it, it would have to be nil all after extra time. And Inter win it on penalties. Because I just don't see, you know, Inter Milan. If Inter Milan keep a clean sheet, they win it. That's it. I, I can see Jekko from a set piece. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, goal. like, you know, if Inter Milan manage to keep a clean sheet, they win it. Mm, I could see one all. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. They, they would have to be so, so resolute in defence 
they can't afford to, you know, they would have to play the perfect game defensively to keep this Manchester City side out unless they get really big on the cans, which would be stupid, or one or two things could happen, right? And it's unlikely to happen that, you know, that they get so, you know, so arrogant and so complacent that they're going to throw it away. They win the FA Cup, they get on the cans and they're, you know, rendered, you know, hopeless for a week, right? Well, we just saw <laughs> we just saw this Manchester City side get on the cans and they played two days later yep. and they played against a bloody good football team, mm. right? And probably the best run, you know, and they are the best run football club, I think, at the moment, yeah. pound for pound. Yeah. Definitely. Brighton have Albion have got, got to be in Europe, I think, pound for pound, the best run football club, right? Um, and that's reflected on the pitch mm. as well and the fact that they've actually qualified for the Europa League. But the only other way that I can see Manchester City, and we talked about it last week, the only way I can see Manchester City losing this Champions League is if Manchester City beat Manchester City and Pep yeah. Guardiola beats Pep Guardiola. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. If the he goes on holiday in, now, if he the, goes on holiday. The man in the mirror is the one that they have to watch out for. Yeah. I think that's the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. If you want to make the world a better place. Oh, don't, don't. I was just thinking of Michael <laughs> Jackson, you know. Anyway, no, let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> hey, that could be the podcast name. <laughs> let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, dear. Hmm. Yeah, I'll leave it up but, to you because uh, you're quite creative when it comes to the names. Yeah, we'll see what comes up. Um, Interesting with West Ham and Fiorentino, the it should be a really close final. As I say, West Ham one of the favourites at the start of the season. But we should talk about what happened at the end of last week mm-hmm. in the stands. Yeah, not good. And no, disgraceful scenes. Not good. Not good at all. Um, very concerning, actually. And for it to happen in such a smaller stadium in the Netherlands, mm. I, I know the Netherlands have had you know, the, the ultra kind of issue. I mean, most European nations have it, so it's not unheard of, but that was really concerning, to be fair. And we spoke about it on last week's pod that the sort of measures that the, the Dutch FA are taking to reduce anti-crowd behaviour uh, with the things being thrown on the pitch, we spoke about it last week, and it was a good time to bring it up because it got thrown into into context mm, in the, mm. the West Ham game. Yeah. But just how some fans... That's uh, pretty much a lot of these Dutch clubs, to be honest, are unhinged and they really do uh, come onto a, come into a law of their own, it seems, because there was only a, a couple of arrests, if any, and there's not too many punishments going around. Okay. They couldn't take away supporters, RZ, to their match on the weekend. But really, there isn't a whole lot here that screams and would be an appropriate punch for what we saw against West Ham last weekend, mm. last week. Mm. Because that's something that really we should... I thought we'd seen the last of, like, ultras going after families. Look, that should never happen. That should never happen, Yeah. right? And as good as, as it is for these um, clubs, the small, what we consider to be smaller clubs in terms, you know, compared to the, the global giants, right? But the Conference League is made for these uh, clubs that have this European experience, right? If UEFA are going to have this uh, this tournament, they need to set some uh, parameters with regards to what the expectations are with regard to security. You cannot have that situation arise. They were very ugly scenes. They were. And- I love the video of the the West Ham fan who was in his middle ages 
And uh, he's a he's a famous a, well not famous he's he's well known in for yeah. you know in the West Ham supporter group yeah Just absolutely standing at the top of the stairs going bosh bosh have that have that he's going to tell you that story down at the pub for the next twenty years and I tell you what there'll be a, a thousand guys five thousand guys and the number will get bigger every time he tells a story <laughs> oh yeah sure sure <laughs> I mean he shouldn't have to but it makes for great viewing I'm sure the backpackers out there have already seen the video. Yeah, but it is it is concerning. I have to say, it, it, like we said, anyway, scenes like that shouldn't shouldn't uh, be happening, especially on the European semi final stage. So, but um, I have a feeling. Has, mm. Oh, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. You go on. I saw a report this week that the next step that the Dutch FA are looking to take is installing fingerprint scanners at all the grounds. So, mm. if you've been identified as a troublemaker and you get a ban. You won't be allowed in. Interesting. I'd like to know how that's going to work. In, in a, you know, from a logistical point of view. Mm. I also mean, from a spe- yeah. security point of view as well, because yeah. you'd be collecting the fingerprints for thousands and thousands of people. Well, you would have it at the turnstile, would you not? Yeah, but just what you do with the data. Oh well, like, that's that's a yeah. different kettle of fish altogether, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because can the football clubs be trusted to ha- hold on to, say, fifty thousand people's fingerprints? What do you think? I, th- I think we've seen plenty of stories down the years that would make me not trust it. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, I can think of several uh, data hacks that, uh, you know, data breaches that um, that have occurred with institutions that have uh, caused issues. So, yes, I would say mm. that um, that all that would be at risk. But, hey, you want to go? That's the price of entry. And, you know, leave your uh, fingerprint behind. I believe it's already in place at some stadiums across Europe or in South America, they have a similar sort of system where if you are banned, you won't be allowed into the ground because you have to scan your fingerprint. This and flies in the face of having the old photo posted up in the ticket office. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm being, very, I'm being facetious there. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, very much so. But interesting mm. to see if that does come in, mm. what effect that'll have on supportive culture. Because really, you mentioned ultras before, Lass. Yeah. Why don't we just call them hooligans? Because that's what they are. No, 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 no. I disagree. Not all ultras are hooligans. Sorry. No, Look, even, no, and, you know. no. But those one, those the people who attack the West. Oh families, yeah, sure. They oh, are. They hooligans. are. Yeah, they're criminals. And, and really, hooligans is pretty much a word we only use to describe the roughest supporters from England, maybe Scotland as well, but never those on the continent. They're always referred to as ultras. No, I disagree. Well, I've never, the word- I've never referred to them as um, as ultras only. They're hooligans, they're hooligans. That's it. It's that simple. But- it doesn't matter where, what part of the continent or where they're from in the world. I mean, we refer but- to the Melbourne mm-hmm. Victory We referred to the Victory supporters as dickheads, and quite rightly, <laughs> right? Or the so-called active support, right, which has been disbanded since, but, you know. Um, because, other than that, you see hooligans. where I'm coming from? The- yeah, I do. There's the- got to be a distinction. Some people try and, like, yeah. pass it off as, are oh, they just ultras? And no. you never see English supporters referred to as ultras? Okay. No, that's true. Because, well, look, it's not even in their culture. Look, the English football going culture is different to the European football going oh, culture. And what yeah. I mean by that is the away day element, right? The away day element uh, in the UK is a huge cultural thing. And obviously it's a, you know, um, it leads to going to the continent. Like I'm sure that Prague will be full of West Ham supporters. Right, I'm not sure. will be the stadium won't. Yeah, that's right. But I'm not so <laughs> sure that Istanbul is going to be full of Manchester City supporters. 
there's a cheap Maybe shot a of Manchester. Cheap shot at Manchester <laughs> City, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but the fact is, is that I'm sure he could round up all the city supporters in a. No, in no, a no, hey, 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 they can hey, go hey. over. Oh, jeez, <laughs> bit salty, bit salty. But anyway, you said it's a cheap shot. I had Yeah, it is. It was, <laughs> but but with regard to the away day culture and, and going to the football in the UK, it's a different experience compared to the uh, continent, right? So, okay, the German supporters, they're ultras, the active supporter ultras, right? Uh, and I've got no doubt that there are clashes in and around the stadium, but not inside the actual stadium itself. You don't see those kind of scenes. One, because, you know, the Germans have, have I think – have realised they've got the balance right with regards to active support and the atmosphere it can provide, but also the onus of um, ownership of the club as well. Mm, yeah. So they're you know they're a vested you know they they have a vested interest in maintaining that the club needs to be seen to be adhering to laws and all that uh, kind of aspect. So it makes it for a very very interesting dynamic in Germany, whilst. Other countries in Europe, not so much, right? Um, I would say that Manchester City had hooligans on the weekend because those guys, you know, it's not as if Manchester City had to win the game to win the title, right? And those idiots decided to jump on. Oh, let them jump on. No. On the pitch, let them have a pitch invasion. No, no, no. Hey, listen, if you're told don't do it, don't do it. It's English culture to have a pitch invasion at the end of the season. Yeah, but they've changed the laws now, so that's it. I disagree with the law change. Okay. But then if that's the case, right, um, what you need to do is I would suspect that they should actually change the way that they present the trophy in the stadiums and actually section off a part. Manchester City knew they were going to win that game or they were going to lift the trophy that Sunday, right? And I get it. You know, you've got annual – well, maybe not Manchester City so much, right? But you've got annual season ticket holders <laughs> – <laughs> right, <laughs> where you could, you know, to cater for, right? So why don't you just sec- cordon off a section, uh, you know, a section of the um, of the stand, or do something of that nature, right? Or present the trophy in the dressing room, and that's it, and put it on the big screen and let everyone go nuts. Seriously, they should not be going near the players. They don't own the players, right? And it's you know, and the clubs actually have to take security into you know into consideration here and they do and you can see that they straight away they jump on try and put a cordon around the players so the players can go up the tunnel so guess what you're not going to go congratulate jack Grealish, dj you know dj Grealish, right <laughs> on um <laughs> on his success so i understand it, where they're coming from that it Utah. might be a little bit of a, of a safety thing what do you mean a little bit the- what do you mean, I mean hang, on, yeah. hang on mate these players no. cost but these players have a market value in the tens of millions of dollars and you're letting some, yeah, I get it. right? And you're letting someone who may be a bit exuberant, a bit loaded with alcohol, right? Cocaine or whatever, right? We don't endorse any of those kind of things, but no, we don't endorse that. But but it's there. But it's there, right? So, and you're letting them near these guys. Come on, I, I'm, I get it. I get it. But like, no, I'm sorry. It's it's the day. You know, the times have changed. I'm not saying I get it for when the it comes to the visiting team. I get that. Right, get the visiting players out of there straight away. But really, if you're a fan who jumps the fence, runs on the pitch, are you really going to go and, and break know, the goalposts? 
No, but specifically with the players, are you going to go up and injure a player? Like, really? No, you're not. Well, if, you, if you're you a City fan no, and but you, you can't take, fence, Hang on. You can't take that chance. Erling Haaland, right? How much is it worth now to City? Probably two, to $200 million if he didn't right. have a release clause. So City sell, you know, want to sell Haaland to Real Madrid. How much is it worth? Well, yeah, if he didn't have a release clause, it'd be $200 million. Okay. So what are we talking about? You know, like you can't do that. You can't put these – you can't – even the slightest of risk to these people, you can't allow it. I'm sorry. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I, just, I just like the traditional part of it where we've, we've seen it down the years. that the, the players get around the fans. The fans get around the players in the last game, and it looks like a fantastic time. Yes, we've had some a rough incident in the championship last season. We saw a fan with an opposition player, and that's it, why I mentioned that. But even Manchester City last season, right, when they took it out, and yes, it was decided on the last day effectively, right, mm. went all the way. But – because Liverpool couldn't get it done against Wolves. I think you and I were watching the, that game in Madrid together. We were. We yeah, found yeah, a, I remember um, that. That's right. We found a cafe just up the road that had it. Football cafe. Mm, but, yeah. um, like, you know, it was decided on the day, but it didn't give an excuse for City fans to go smash the posts. Right? You're not a player where you want a piece of the, the football net, the soccer net, to actually, you know, the goal net to actually take with you as a souvenir. Like they do, you know. Come on. I mean, people take... Seats all the time. <laughs> These people need help. Sorry, I mean, you know, hey, I shouldn't judge, but come on, that's just ridiculous. So I'm going to take a plastic seat out of the stadium. What is security mm. doing, seriously, for a start? Can't I, exactly, mean, I can't exactly hide it under your jacket, can you? I'm not against that either, really, taking what, a plastic what? seat. If, what? If, if, no, look, if it's... I understand where they're coming from. If that is your seat, you've had the season ticket, you've been there for 20, 30, 40 it's years. It's just a plastic seat. <laughs> but I understand there's a sentimental but connection. Go buy one. Go buy a replica. No, it's, a, it's not the same. Oh, yeah, it is actually because it's just plastic. No, but there's no sentimentality. I can't believe we're having one. this conversation. <laughs> Mate, go get yourself sure. a blue chair with the number 172 on it, for goodness sakes, <laughs> and that's it. But if I did that, I would know that it's not the seat that I was sitting in for 40 years. Mate, if the, okay, if it means that much to you, I'm sure that you could write to the club and the club would give it to you at a time that is suitable for both parties, right? Don't take it out on the final day. <laughs> I'm it's sorry. Like what we see, it's like what we see in the F1 down in Melbourne. I know. When the race is over, people storm the track, pick up the sign mark at DRS. No, and no, no, you're just trying to distance no, meters. Stop it. Just stop, okay? No, no, just stop right now, okay? This, this Take a little is, souvenir, why not? This up late is just no. This is just ridiculous. You get to, we haven't even, we've only just kicked off too. We've got plenty more topics to kick off on about oh, as well. This up late could get, go for a while. This is what I fear, but anyway, let's go. Hey, well, we're starting earlier tonight, so we've got more room to move. Oh, we did start a little bit earlier, but yes. Yeah, just um, a little bit earlier. I've got two segues here, Blas. A or B, pick one. Uh, the money or the box. Hmm. I'll mm. take the box. I'll take the box. Mm. All right. Well, since we're talking about fan behavior, mm-hmm. okay. I think there's a good segue to go into what happened on the weekend. Where? At Valencia. Okay. I thought you were going to take me somewhere else. No. This is very heavy. It is very heavy. I was kind of hoping it went the other way, but. <laughs> okay. Well, let, let, okay. Let's just change back. I, I need to warm up to get into that. All let's right. Let's go the money then. All right. Let's go the money. Um, it's a Dutch football segue because we got onto that topic via mm-hmm. West Ham Marzad. Yep. And it's this uh, Arnie Slot 
the Tottenham stuff. Oh, you didn't. Oh, geez, the, Tottenham. Seriously, are we going to talk about Tottenham we are because again? They're the big story. They're a big story anyway. They're not a big story. They're not a big club anymore. They're, well, <laughs> they're not. They might not be a Where, big club last, anymore. But, last time uh, I checked, they're eighth on the Premier League table. They're not big. Yeah, and, and they'll stay there. Yeah, and you know what? Good luck to you. You uh, got, you, we you have got, to mention you, it. You haven't got Europe next year. No, we don't. I'd we rather do. talk we about do. Poch do. going. To, I'd rather talk talk about Poch going to Chelsea because that's going to really piss off the Spurs supporters. <laughs> we can come on to that a little bit later, but I have to mention Spurs going after Arnie Slot, the current final manager, yes. for the last week, mm-hmm. who's won the league this season, and mm-hmm. it's come out this afternoon, this evening, that uh, Slot's knocked them back. He doesn't want to go. Are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. And I, part I would, of it is that Slot didn't want to work under a uh, sporting director. Part of it is that Spurs didn't want to pay the pay the compensation. I'm not even a B grade manager, and I wouldn't even go to to Spurs. <laughs> I haven't got my B license. I wouldn't go to Spurs if they offered it to me. Seriously. So who's left for Tottenham to go and get oh, now? Maybe you. <laughs> I, I I won't lie. Tottenham might not be a big club anymore, but uh, if I I will answer the phone, I will take the job. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it appears as though another Australian has uh, shot to the top of the list. Who? Ange. Oh, no, Ange won't take Spurs. He'll listen. No, there's no chance. He's in pole position now. No, mate. That's he won't. He from... won't. He won't take Spurs because of Levy. Mm-hmm. I can. I can see that. Conte I understand that. Conte and Mourinho couldn't win a, to- a a trophy, right? Where they've won trophies at every other club, and that's saying something. Right and Marie, look, I, I, my answer to Spurs is this: you sack the guy the week of a League Cup final, who's going to give you your f- best chance of actually winning a trophy, right? And it was like six, five or six days before, really. Okay, so you know, don't come crying to us, right, and saying that we're Spurs bashing. Okay, even though we'd love to do it. Well, we, it's slow picking fruit, <laughs> slow hanging fruit, I should say. It really, really is now. I've got another Spurs stat for you. Guardiola's had 13 seasons as a manager. Yes. Across Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and City. Manchester City. Hang on. Mental and, blank there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know why I was thinking, are you including Barcelona B? No, no, no. Ah, as okay. a top flight. Oh, as a right. top flight manager. Gotcha. Okay. And he's only not won the league in three of these seasons out of 13. Yep. Okay. And one of those three was where he finished third. So there's only one team in the history of football who's beaten the Pep Guardiola side on the league table and not won the league. Because he's finished second in the other seasons. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And And in the 16, 17 season, it was Spurs because, of course, it was Spurs. And Chelsea won it that season. Yeah. Under Conte. Yeah. Right. That's probably one of the most Tottenham stats. And that was Mourinho. Sorry, that was Guardiola's first season, yeah? From memory? Yeah, yeah. I thought he finished second that season. Yeah, but he finished third. Mm. Right, and yeah, okay. Potch was it's the coach. It's just funny. Yeah, it's it is funny. funny. It's a Spurs thing. Yeah, because normally if you beat Pep, you win the league. Well, Spurs would be happy that they finished above Arsenal that year too. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a version of St. Tottenham's Day because Arsenal were in front the whole way. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But I'm uh, glad to see that, yes, uh, Scott Munn has been confirmed as the uh, head of football, the head of football operations at Tottenham Hotspur, so an Australian do you, there. Do you think it might be uh, his influence as to why they might go and get Ange? Possibly. Could be. 
but I don't think. Uh, can you see Ange leaving Glasgow right now with a European, with, with a Champions League campaign look, about to come up? It doesn't make sense for him to leave because right now I think he's got unfinished business in Europe. Correct, and he can have another season where if he wins three titles in a row and maybe a couple of cups, that's a really nice boxed off three year cycle. Correct. Where you've achieved everything you could possibly realistically do at Celtic. Yep. But on the other hand, I would also have said the same thing. I did say the same thing about Graham Potter leaving Brighton a month into the season to go to Chelsea. Yeah, but Chelsea, I, okay. Chelsea back then were a top six club. Yeah. But the point is, Graham Potter was on the up and up. It looked like Brighton were having a really good season. Yep. I thought at the time he would want to see that out, see how far he could take this Brighton project. As things have come out, Deservey's come in and they've gone even better. Sure. But I am hesitant to say managers will stick around for the project when a big club comes calling, be it anybody. Okay. And I'm not saying Celtic's not a big club, but Spurs are a level up. Yep. Okay. No, so, look, uh, look. okay. All seriousness. I think he can be tempted. I, I, yes. Uh, that his head may well be turned. Sure. Because it's London. Um, it's the Premier League. It's the Premier League. Real, Spurs. Realistically, you're, you are a, a big side. In all seriousness, yes, Spurs are a you know a big club, but I just don't see it happening with this. You know, with Levy. I, That's I, the stumbling I, block for me as well. But I really don't because Ange but, wants full control. Correct on the football side. It just doesn't seem like an Ange kind of fit. Mm. Whilst it's not going to happen now, for, you know, not for a couple of years. But um, you know, the northeast might be a bit more appealing to Ange. Maybe. Oh, look, uh, isn't that far from Glasgow either? Yeah, you might know. not really have to relocate the family. Correct, and a um, and already Champions League bound, right? Challenge would be to to try and sustain that, you know. And and the only job I see Eddie Howe leaving Newcastle for is the England national job, which I don't think becomes available for a while now. I think really? um, I think after the next Euros. <laughs> I, I can see him being given North America. Southgate. I can see Gareth Southgate being wow. allowed to complete this World Cup. You're, really? Because I don't think he should have it, but I think the FA are the types to just allow him to have it because I think they're very conservative in their managerial appointments. Yes. And them making the decision to fire a manager or not renew his contract, whichever it is, after the Euros... Yeah. Provided the house he, isn't on fire. He looked pissed yesterday when he was announcing this British, this English squad. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. He looked real like that's unlike Southgate. He looked really pissed. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he got a rough phone call five minutes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very un-Southgate-like. And, I do see him completing this World Cup cycle. I don't. I see. He's the, he's not going to walk. I see the Euros. I, I, after not, the Euros. After the Euros. Do you I see him see, walking? Yeah, I do, because especially if they don't hit um, semis, he's going to say, "Bugger this! I don't need this crap." <laughs> All right, it's because it's not a slight against the players. It's it won't have anything to do with the players. It'll have to do with the media scrutiny. And England failed again, and that's what it's going to come down to. Because the the expectation for England at the, at the Euros will be to win it. I would say final. They would I have to. They would have to make the final. Natural progression. You make the final the last Euros. You're on a decent run, shows some evolution. The team's got like another couple of years in it, and the players like Saka, like Grealish, etc., like Foden in particular, mm. have got another 
a year or two in their legs. They should be more developed footballers. Like, football's not linear in terms of development, but on paper you'd say that. And yeah, I think the expectation will be for England to win it. It's look, the expectation for England to win the tournament is there most years. Yeah, yeah but that expectation is from the media by and large, right? The expectation. Yeah. I think the expectation here would be internally that they actually make the final. Yeah, that's fair. So, but you know, I don't see him. I don't see him jumping. I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. Like that. Maybe you're right. Maybe something happened before the you know five minutes before the press conference, and he was just really you know agitated. But he did not like. He did not seem like his normal calm, effable self. Right. He was just you know. Um, he's normally an affable kind of guy, and mm. it just didn't um, didn't come across that way. Came across very temperamental, a bit agitated. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen that kind of fire uh, or that kind of side of Southgate managerially, right? And obviously, as a play, he would have had that kind of you know side to him. But yeah, managerially, he's normally very adept at handling the media and um, and you know plays it you know. A good hand of poker when it comes to that. If I can use that analogy, he doesn't. He has a poker face. This time around, he was not having any anything. No, he wasn't. And really, I'm surprised they named the team this week and not next week. Just let the Premier League have a spotlight this weekend, along with the AFL playoff finals, and come Monday morning or Tuesday morning, mm. let international football take center stage. Name your squad on Tuesday morning, and then go into camp because just. <laughs> The order of things doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, agree. Added to that, the players, some players might get injured this weekend, and then you've got to rework your squad. Agree. Yeah, no, agree. But yeah, the timing doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, it's just interesting. Gareth Southgate, I don't think he's a, a good enough manager for England, but you, he's also yeah. a bit of a yes man, and that's what the FA are after. Yeah, maybe he stopped saying yes. Maybe he, he got pissed. Well, he didn't say yes to Raheem Sterling. No, that's true. That's true. And that's fair. Why should he? It is fair. It is fair. But He's it's Raheem Sterling is one of his favourites, and it seems as though he's uh, being moved on. I don't think we see Raheem Sterling in an England shirt again. No, I think it's done. No, agree, agree with you there. Agree with you there. Okay, should we go to the heavy one? The yeah, heavy issue, or should we just yeah come back to it? No, nah, let's do it, lads. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Well, let's start with your thoughts. So we're going to talk about Vinicius Junior and Real Madrid at Valencia last weekend. And we'll talk about the fallout as well because there's been so much fallout. I think top to bottom, it's a disgrace and it's bad optics and it looks horrible for Tebas, La Liga, all the clubs. The only winner in this scenario is Real Madrid and Vinicius. There's no saving grace, really. There's no mitigating factors. There's no positive news to come out of it for the rest of the league for mine. I don't think there's been enough of a response. And there's so many people that can have their can have their finger pointed at them. Okay. Let me, what happened. let me ask you a question then. Sorry Go to on. interrupt, but with regard to the league. So the league overnight have said that a section of the Mestaya Stadium will be closed for the next five home games, right? A considerable amount of the stadium. So now that they've actually taken an official stance, the league have actually taken an official stance, how does that make you feel? Look, it's too late. Okay. Starters. Yep. This is three, four days after the event. Yep. Where prior to this, the stance has been that oh, it's only a couple, or they weren't calling you a monkey; they were calling you silly. Very mm-hmm. similar sounding words in Spanish: "mondo" versus "tondo." 
or Tonto, whatever it is. Um, and there's a, a lot of hearsay, a lot of downplaying. And I think this reaction to close a stand of the Mastaya is off the back of what we've seen since the event. The Twitter back and forth between Vinicius and Javier Tebas, the league president, as well as the reaction from Brazil, the reaction from the wider football media. I think it got to a point where a lot of people within La Liga, maybe Tebas as well, maybe just himself, sort of thought, okay, we need to do something more here because this is getting out of control. And I don't think it's necessarily a reaction based off the event. I think it's a reaction based off the fallout and the optics and the vision, how La Liga is looked amongst European football and world football. I think from this point, if they didn't do something, it was just going to get out of control completely. And closing off a section of the stand, yes, fine, it's an okay measure. But in five home matches time, what will be some lasting effect? Not much. Issue bans, dock points, they're much more harsher punishments that could have been applied here that really should have been. Uh And FIFA's racism protocol where you take players off the pitch, bring them back out later, and if it happens again, abandon the game, and the side wins 3-0, that's something that we should have seen apply to this scenario. And I can point fingers at the referee, Uh because not only did the on-pitch referee and the VAR make mistakes in the handling of the situation, Uh with Vinny getting a straight red card, and the Valencia player not getting a booking at all for the headlock. Uh But also, we saw the referee in his post-match report not include anything regarding the racism incident in his notes. Nothing at all was in his notes for the post-match report. So, really, I don't think there's any remedy from here or from yesterday when the initial thing was mentioned about closing of the stand. Uh-huh. From that point, you could only go more severe than closing uh-huh. ground, closing one stand. It's not enough. Yeah, that, that's all fair. That's agree. Uh, I agree with you. I, yeah, this troubles me deeply, this, this issue, on several fronts. But you're right. The FIFA protocol should be the one that they actually go with. But in Spain, unfortunately, La Liga, they have a three strikes type of scenario where you saw that in action on the weekend. And it obviously is inadequate because a announcement to the crowd saying, hey, La Liga, uh, you know, detests racism and please stop is not enough, right? The scenes are were shocking, actually, I think. And they're not a very good look, you know. In 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 two respects, it hasn't been a great week, week for football with regards to the Vinicius Jr. issue and the West Ham issue, right? Other than that, you know, great. But those two issues are large enough to uh, cause a bit of um, a bit of disappointment and – or actually despondency, actually, because I, I actually posted on my LinkedIn and I'll, I'll just read it, right, because I think – this says it all, in effect, what my feelings are. Um, so I had read um, Gillian Balaguer's piece on what uh, he thought had gone down. And as a result of that, I put, you know, hey, I love La Liga, I love Real Madrid, Spain and Spanish football, but Vinny Jr. is correct. Right? Um, attitudes around all around the world need to change. It starts with every one of us, from supporters all the way through to administrators. Treat people the way you like to be treated. Appreciate people the way you want to be appreciated. Respect people the way you want to be respected. That's all any one of us can ask. The events of the weekend just gone are disheartening. It's very simple. And then further to that, Ian Wright and what he said about slogans 
and to- you know token gestures. And effectively, that's what happened in the league on the weekend. They were all token gestures and slogans, right? The big winners out of the weekend, and they're big winners for mine, are Real Madrid and Vinicius Jr. and Carlo Ancelotti, right? But Spain is just a reflection of what happens on the continent as well, to a degree, because all across Europe, there are these issues, right? There are all there are these issues. It is just, and they may turn around and say, "Hey, they may need, mean nothing by it," but it's purely a lack of education, right, and a lack of thought and a lack of awareness, right? So attitudes need to change, right? It's up to people in the stands to actually go, hey, we're not condoning this. We're not actually going to say that, right? Um, it's up to the administrators to actually really come down on on these people. And it's on the league or the leagues, right, the respective leagues. And if that's the FIFA protocol, first complaint, everyone off. I think at one point Real Madrid were actually about to walk off themselves, and you know what? They should have. It was it was down to Carlos and yep. Vinny Jr. That conversation they had. They should have. They should have just walked off. Yeah. They should have just walked off. I know Ancelotti was trying to do the right thing and say, "Hey, listen, you, you we need to carry on here." But if you felt that strongly, like they should have, they should have come off because Vinny Jr. is only twenty two, mm-hmm. and he has copped it from day one as soon as he arrived in Spain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, okay. Maybe because of the Brazilian yeah. dancing, right? That's yeah, fine. And okay, but. If you want some insight into how Europe, to a degree, not all Europe, but a lot of Europe, looks at this issue, I want to highlight something that I saw on Optusport, and it was uh, Phil Kitramelidi's report on the Spanish press the day after Vinicius Jr. and that incident and the reporting and the language that is used, which is similar to what Guillaume Balaguer said, right? The headlines were the Vinicius Jr., Cause the scandal at Mastaya. Mm, no, yeah. mm. no, that's that's not the headline, right? So the semantics and the and and the nuance and all this reporting and the language that is used, right, is where the issue is. But from a and I'm and I'm saying this and I don't want it to sound cynical in any way, right, or an optics, you know, uh, perspective or anything like that. But you're right. The winners have been Real Madrid, Carlo Ancelotti, and. Vinicius Jr. Because when Vinicius Jr. can turn around and use, it's not football, it's Liga. Oh, I loved it when he said that. It's right? so to the point. It, I mean, what do you say? So he's turned around and used the Liga's yeah. advertising campaign right against them. <laughs> mm. Right? Um, kudos to him. And the fact is he's got he's, – he's not going to – he doesn't want to leave Real Madrid. Right, but he may have well, to because of Spain, yeah. because of the because of Spain, not because of Real Madrid, right? Mm. And Real Madrid will back him to the hilt, and the people there, you know, you and I had the fortune of spending time with them last year, right? Mm. Um, they've got a global perspective, a truly global perspective, and you can see that their administration would back him to the hilt. And for Ancelotti to say the things that hey, this would not happen in England when England was considered backward twenty years ago or forty years ago, and it's not. It's at it's the forerunner, right? So all these things come into play, and that's just not on. It, 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 you know, attitudes need to change, and we've got to start. We've got to start calling it out. Like you know, people might go, "Oh, it's hum-. no, it's not humorous at all," right? It, it's just not on. It's it's not on these days. Would you like it if your son or daughter was playing and they were called that? Mm. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or called um, w- worse or, you know, any name. That's, you know, that's someone's son. That's someone's, you know, family member. Have a bit of consideration. Yeah, okay. He might roll you up the wrong way because he might be arrogant. He's bloody good at what he does and that's why it gives him the arrogance, sure, and the confidence. But to um, to resort to, you know, throwing bananas at him like he's had before. And, and that's something that's happened to other know, players down the years. I remember sure. something similar with Danny Alves. Did the best thing. Grabbed yeah. the banana and that took a bite. Yeah. Right? But, you know, th- this guy's only 22 years old. He's been subjected to a lot of abuse, right? And it's, um, you know, and he, you know, he did pick out the uh, supporter that actually, you know, that he managed to hear that called him a racist term. Reported there was a lot to, more than just that support. Yeah, of course. But he's reported that to the uh, referee. The referee's gone to, you know, gone to water basically, not knowing what to actually do. I think, or you know, it, it's the league are obviously aren't equipped to deal with these kind of issues and take them seriously, unfortunately. And for all their no, slogans, you're right. yeah, and for all their slogans, they should have, they sh- you know, they should have had the protocols to handle this. But you're right, Nathan. Those FIFA protocols are the ones that they, that need to be. Deployed, not this. Please stop. Please refrain. No, get the players off straight to the shit. At least they held up a banner. <sighs> Crazy, because that—that's all it is. It's just a message campaign. Where is the substance to back that up? Well, like Ian Wright said, that's slogans, and we can't put ourselves yeah. in these people, you know, in these people's shoes, and how they feel to that kind of abuse. Mm. So, and it's—I don't understand it. I really don't. I really don't understand it. Was, how would some of the players on the Valencia team feel? Some of the black players in that in that team. Yeah, I was but, I was thinking that. I was yeah, thinking that. How would you feel if that your quote unquote supporters? And I disagree with the notion that discounting those people as supporters because they still are supporters. They're just ones that hold views that have no place in football. That really, if you're hearing people in your stadium say those things towards a player on the other team, that's got to be affecting you as well. Yeah. Look, the only thing I can think of is that those players kind of stand with their op- op- opposing players and say, guys, this is not on in any way, and we're walking off too, right? Yeah. I think next time this, if it does happen, I think Real Madrid will walk off and they'll cop whatever. And, you know, if, if that means that they lose 3-0, they'll cop it. I, th- I think it's too far gone now. I, I think it's too far gone. If, if La Liga don't react and actually put more stringent protocols into place and – the same protocols are left in place now as what were in place on Sunday. I think um, I think Real Madrid walk off next time this happens. Yeah, I agree, and they should. And really, if you're a young Brazilian playing in Brazil and you get a bit of rep surrounding it, and a Spanish club comes sniffing around looking to pick you up as a as a prospect, I think the the events of this week do change your decision making. They, I think there'll be some players who say, "I don't want to go and play football in Spain." Because these things might happen to me. I think that'll be a lasting effect of this incident if La Liga don't do something now. I take your point with regards to that. Um, with what you were saying, if you're a young Brazilian player and do you want to go to Spain? Look, it's it's a tricky one because they, they would know exactly what the... They would be aware of what has transpired. And, and, you know, the thing is, the narrative is that Vinicius Jr. is to blame for the way that the crowds actually react to him. And that's not the case. That's the narrative in Spain, yeah. Yeah, that's the narrative in Spain, right? So irrespective of what happens, Vinicius Jr. rolls up the crowd, all the crowd's against him, 
and it's not the crowd's fault that they decide to re- revert to or retort to um, uh, racist taunts. Well, no, that's not kosher anywhere. I, I, you know, that's not okay. So no, you're right, you're right, and I'm sure you've seen. I'm sure the backpackers have seen a lot of the reaction from Brazilian clubs and Brazilian players and people just in Brazil that it is being seen. They've they've taken Vinny's words and ran with it that. La Liga is a racist league and there's a lot of backlash from Brazil off the back of this incident and that's sort of where my thing came from that if you're a young player in Brazil you're going to be hesitant to go and play in Spain Mm. we often see players move from South America to Spanish football maybe they go more to Portuguese football as a route into Europe but that's all of that is sort of byproducts and minor issues compared to what we did see and the long-lasting effects of what we did see specifically with this incident and people in the stands Really, it should be live bands. Maybe they can introduce the same sort of thing we were talking about 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago with fingerprint scanners and the clean-up crowd behaviour because, look... Yeah, possibly. I think home support and almost sledging has a place in football, but that's well and truly beyond the pale. And there's no need for that whatsoever. You can, you can boo, you can sort of try and get under the skin of an opposition player, sure. But that's way, way, way too far. Oh, look, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Dislike him all you like, but don't do it based on his colour. Mm. And don't do it, ba- you know, based on his culture and, you know. And, and it's that simple. It really is that simple, um, you know. So you, you've had Rafinha, you know, uh, get a yellow card as he was being substituted, you know, taking his jersey off and having a message of support on his, um, uh, on his compression vest with regards to Vinny. Um, so look, there's no doubt that there's support there, but the the narrative is the issue for me, right? That Vinny Jr. is to blame. And that is what I got out of uh, Phil Katrimalidis' uh, um, um, on Optus Sport that, uh, and his piece. That um, it's definitely the narrative that's the issue because it seems to reflect a uh, an attitude in society, which, you know, in Spain, um, which, you know, maybe one of, cultural superiority, right? Um, and we've known that from other Spanish-speaking people that have visited Spain, you know, where they have a, yeah, absolutely, where they have a a, um, uh, a lowbrow opinion of South Americans, for instance. Yeah, exactly. And we heard that anecdote when we are over in Spain. Correct. Yeah, correct. Spanish speakers that you don't speak, what is it, Castellanos? Uh, or- Castellan, yeah, ca- Castellano. Yeah, yeah, Castellano. and therefore mm. you're inferior, mm-hmm. and maybe it is a bit of a, a thing in, in Spain that needs to be addressed. But, Laz, I saw an article this week that Vinny is looking at the exit door, but potentially. Mm-hmm. Where do you see him going? Well, the only place he can go is England. If you say it? Newcastle United for this, I swear. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, look, hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, <laughs> just quietly. Yeah, oh, you he, want him. He'd take Sam Maximin's <laughs> place, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, on the bench. <laughs> well, okay, but <laughs> but you'd you'd have him on the left. Yeah, yeah, you know. So that um, yeah, geez, I'd take him any day of the week at Newcastle. There United. isn't a club in world football that wouldn't take him. Of course, yeah, of course. But um, oh, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. I can but, see him going um, Paris. Yeah, I know. That's where I can see him ending up too. But anyway, you never know. You never know. Mm. Look, now that Newcastle United is in the Champions League, guaranteed, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? But let's uh, move on. 
No, no, I can't move on. I was just going to say it's great to see. It'll be absolutely great to see St. James Park on a European Champions League night again, first time in at least 20 years, if, you know. No. Oh, it's just going to be amazing. And and you know what? It, it would be sensational to be there at St. James Park, the first Champions League game. First Champions League group game at St. James Park. That'll go off. That'll go off. Bring back the nights where Newcastle United smashed Barcelona at St. James Park 5-0. Like, seriously. <laughs> you, you'd be asking for that again. <laughs> cannot wait for it. <laughs> cannot wait for it. Oh, jeez. The plucky club that could, huh? Ma- um, real, under- real underdog story, isn't it? And look, every team would be wanting to avoid Newcastle United from that pot, I can tell you. You'll be a pot four team for sure. Of course. They're, they're gonna. Yeah. It's going to, you know, any group of uh, with Newcastle United is going to be fun, that's for sure. I'd say it's a group of death, but... Uh... Maybe there's a double meaning that that I don't want to. No, 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 no! Don't start throwing that at me, right, Mister? We're about to be bought by Qataris, okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm shit scared. <laughs> Sorry, by I was going to say that, but you know, I thought I'd, I'd gave the low blow, seeing that you wanted to go first. Yeah, to use nah, the wrestling. I'm shit, I'm shit scared by that. To use the wrestling parlance, but yes. Yeah, but there you go. So, where do you want to go next? <sighs> um, do you have anything? I do. I do. Graham gone. Arnold's been speaking. Oh, what's Arnie got to say? Change, change tack completely. Oh, you did, you didn't hear. So he was on Outsiders, or is it Insiders or Outsiders? I think they call it mm. on ABC. So, uh, but um, very interesting comments. Very interesting comments. Right. So the Socceroos great blasts Aussies who don't want football to succeed. Graham Arnold slams government funding for Socceroos and Matildas compared to AFL and NRL. What do you make of those two headlines? Well, he's right about government funding. A hundred percent. Because football is the most played sport in the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Proportionally underfunded. There was Ozplay data that came out last week. I was uh, passing through. And uh, football is near the top for pretty much every state individually. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I think, with the exception of WA, where it's yep. Aussie rules. Aussie rules, yep. And, yeah, even when you compare it to the activities list, which includes the likes of casual walking, which is easily number one. Yeah. And then swimming and uh, football's not far behind, just top for the activities list as well. You're right, proportionally underfunded. 100%. 100%. I think it's going to remain underfunded until we get a football person as PM. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. Because 100% there's too right. much influence that the NRL and the AFL have, both state government-wise mm. and federal government. So how about this? The soccer is a force to pay $1,500 each time they train at Leichhardt Oval which is a council-owned property for the benefit of those that uh, don't live in Sydney. Yeah. I mean, Arnie's been talking about a, a home for the Socceroos for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And look, it doesn't have to be in Sydney. And put it down in Melbourne if you want. Put it in mm. Canberra. Why not? Mm. But the Socceroos need a home. They do. Because when, you, when players come back from Europe, right, they uh, obviously go to a hotel, you know, a luxury hotel, but um, there's no home. No, yeah. they need a St. George's Park-style facility. Totally agree with you. Yeah, and there's no real argument to be had here. The Socceroos are homeless. They need one. And, yeah, when you compare it to what's going on in Tasmania with the AFL stadium. Yeah. How, how much do you think is being spent? Or how much funding do you think that's getting? Isn't Didn't I see the uh, federal government's paying for half of it and the Two, rest of it's the state mm, government? $240 million in total. There's even a um, 
It's not even set in stone yet because Tasmanian Parliament may still shoot it down. Well, be, yeah, because the the AFL want them, the, you know, want it for Knicks. Yeah, but amazingly, the AFL team, the AFL didn't even want to put a team in Tasmania, mm. but this stadium has sort of forced their hand. <laughs> so priorities in order. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right, absolutely ridiculous. Right, and I mean, look, Kat mentioned it as well in our chat earlier. Look, this is the final frontier for Australian sport, right? And this is an opportunity to, you know, the Women's World Cup is an opportunity to do well and exceed, you know, expectations at a uh, on a global level. So this is the final frontier, right, when it comes to sport in Australia, I think. And it's the frontier that Australia society, I suspect, or well, not so much society, but the Australian mainstream media in particular, um, fail to want to acknowledge that why not try and give a World Cup a red hot go? Why are you trying to deride the sport? And and look, we do a good job of it ourselves, unfortunately, of of you know not getting ashes together. But it, you know, hopefully, we can, right? And well, I'm worst enemy. Yeah, and actually give it a worst, you know, a, a great go rather than having you know, well, there are enough enemies in uh, out there, right? We don't need to to cre- you know to create our own or have our own eat our own. So. You know, but there's a reluctance. Maybe that's why governments won't support the sport because they look at it, you know, they go, you guys, there's too much infighting for you guys. Sort it out and then maybe we'll back you because it's the only, you know, and and that may be the case. That's the only thing I can think of because right now, you know, it's the only, it's, yeah, great. Go win a cricket World Cup. Go win win a rugby league World Cup. Go win a World Cup that is irrelevant. And that's, you know. And that's what it is, whilst this sport is the one that matters to the rest of the world, right? This is the I sport. Would also argue, I would also say that the Australian government shouldn't really be too concerned over what sports are big around the world. They should just be concerned of what sports are big here. Well, yeah. to a degree, In their defense. yes. But, but the fact is, Nathan, that if this is the sport that opens up more doors and conversations than any other. Yeah, and that I agree with. Right, so... But- why not particularly play with this game politi- being played in Beijing politically and culturally? Okay, with regard to Australia, Argentina, yeah, okay, yeah, but you know that that's a different kettle of fish. What I'm talking about is a, and we we and if you remember when we spoke to John Didlitzer in our World Cup um, preview, like for Qatar, you know, when we were talking about Croatia and then we talked about Australia, you know, and the football belongs right. It does bloody well belong here, right? One, we've done a very bad job of preserving our history and actually understanding our history and actually educating people in the game on our history. We need a home for that kind of history as well, right? So the game has to have some kind of touch point with regards to that, cultural touch point. Two, we've done a bad job of, like we discussed with Patrick Skinner and Cultural Pulse, we mentioned uh, earlier, and, you know, I'm glad to see their involvement in the in the Women's World Cup, right? Um, you know, with regards to bringing in all different, you know, cultures and the diversity that that, you know, uh, you know, and using that diversity as a strength. Three, we've got the most, you know, highly participated organised sport in Australia, and that's an asset which we just don't seem to understand to how to capitalise on that at the moment. You know, it's been a challenge for the game. So there's plenty of strong points there. We just got to bring it, you know, be able to bring it all together and actually understand that hey, this is a grassroots game, and and the strength is in the grassroots. And the um, diverse nature of those grassroots. Yeah, exactly. And too many people are being lost once they hit a certain age, and 
they sort of fade away from football, yeah. whether it be playing or supporting or both. And a lot of it does feed into each other. There's a lot of thing cause and effect. My chicken and egg scenario as well here. But really, you mentioned like something along the lines of a, a place to preserve our history. Mm. You will remember the story about a month ago. There was the the soccer ashes trophy that was found. Yeah, in yeah. someone's in someone's back room. Yeah. Seventy years after it disappeared. Yeah, I haven't seen anything about some sort of museum or display or something for that to go alongside other Australian football memorabilia. You know, Rally Rasic has so much football memorabilia that he could actually open up a museum on his own. Yeah. Why aren't Crazy. we? You know, and why? Aren't why we isn't there to a museum? That? Yeah. Hmm. You know. So yeah, it's just something that we need. You know, that the game itself needs to do a better job of. Right, and those charged with being custodians of the game, because the, the, I can tell you that those who are charged as custodians of clubs and volunteers and all that, they do their utmost, right? But the, we're talking about federations and associate, you know, associations and and um, football Australia, where the bigger picture is the more important one, right? But yeah, that's um, so that's something that uh, came to light this week, I think. And look, the Australia Argentina game in China. Do you have a fundamental problem with that? No, I don't. Neither do I. But a lot of people do, and this is what we mentioned with Kat. Is it because it's an easy target? Because, oh, you're going to go play in China and China have questionable human rights. I think it's just an easy target. I think it's just an easy criticism. I honestly think that there's some out there in the football space in this country that no matter what decision Football Mm. Australia or the APL take, they're going to take the the contrarian view. doesn't matter what it is. Yep. Yep. does not matter what it is. One shot, they will say, that's a bad decision. You should have done this instead. And look, I get it. They're not perfect. They have made wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. But really, at some point, everyone just needs to sort of appreciate the things they do get right. And sort of if things, if you don't agree with a bad decision, yes, you can disagree with them. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't disagree with decisions made by the APL or Football Australia. But either fight your battles or pick your battles or don't blow things up out of proportion. A game between Australia and Argentina in Beijing, yes, it'd be nice if it was at the MCG. Sure. It'd be nice if it was in Buenos Aires. Sure. But that is what was on the table. We either play the game in Beijing against Argentina or we don't. And look, I don't know about you, Laz, but I would rather us play Argentina than not. 100%. 100%. That's what it is. It's all about Australia playing Argentina. It doesn't matter where. It could be on the moon for all I get for all I care. It's just if a chance falls to Grand Qual at the end of the game, you should take it this time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and nutmeg Gabby Martinez, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's but essentially that, fo- That's what football it comes needs down to. to take football needs to take its opportunities when they present themselves. Because yes, we've come on here even tonight and say that football is treated as a second class sport, essentially. When it comes to government funding, when it comes to public perception, news cycle, we we mention pretty much every week that it doesn't get the spotlight it deserves or the funding it deserves. So it's on football to look out for its own back and take opportunities when they arise. That's what that's what we have to do. That, yeah. That's what exactly what, like, and I was just thinking whilst you were talking about Female Football Week this week. Did you know it was on? Only from your Insta. That's it. They, all right. So it's basically it's been, uh, made, you know, Football New South Wales, from what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of Football Australia, to be fair, but... Um, you know, like uh, my local club, club my daughter plays at, right? We've, you know, we've had a well-known case of um, a volunteer that uh, unfortunately passed away uh, that did make the media and, and for 
unscrupulous reasons, unfortunately. But um, we're you know the club is com- is uh, commemorating her memory this weekend, right? And they've planned a huge day, and and that's you know it's important to the club, to the other volunteers, you know, to her, to Daniel's um, fellow volunteers that she's left behind, and and it's you know a lot's going into it. And it's important. And given that we are hosting a Women's World Cup this week, this is the week to actually make a big song and dance about the fact that a Women's World Cup is here. You know, so I know we keep going on about it, but this is the week. This is where you kick it off, right? This is where you make the loudest noise, especially start. when there's no A League Men's on this weekend. A hundred percent. There's a space free in the calendar. Yeah, because this to, was supposed to, to be the, the this was supposed to be the All Star weekend. <laughs> Uh, look, I can't I help mean, but laugh. I you, can't no, help but I know laugh. that, but look, Bayern got a bit greedy, right? Yeah, I mean, they're not the only big club out there, but no, but they obviously put their all their eggs in the basket with the Bayern, and it, it fell through, right? I think I, I would say it's a problem on our part rather than Bayern's that all our eggs were uh, in the Bayern look, basket. Look, I think there's a bit more to come out about that, but anyway, uh, look, Danny Townsend, I think covered it all right off, you know, in the Born Offside podcast, but um, so yeah, better off not doing anything. Yes. But actually, why not? But, you know, there'll be a bit of a build-up toward the uh, A-League Grand Final, which is going to be, I mean, which we'll talk about, obviously, next week as well, but it's an exciting one, there's no doubt, you know. And uh, what a David and Goliath story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know. And most people are going to be on with David, of course, and uh, the few City fans that will come up, unfortunately. Ah, geez, I hope Central Coast do it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. That's for next week. (laughs) That's for next week. But, yeah, the fact is, is that, you know, We've got this, um, you know, this female, you know, uh, female football week happening, you know, and female players and volunteers are being recognised all over the place, like you know, but that's all coming really from either the local associations or the clubs that are driving that media. Yeah, and really, I only ever heard of it because of mm. what you put up on your story mm. today or yesterday, whenever it went mm. out. Yeah, yeah, and really, there should be something a bit more widespread there should be something coming from top down mm. just have a little bit more of a wider scope and highlight things that are worth highlighting in the game yeah there's so many stories across the country in football that mm. don't see the light of day mm. for whatever reason yeah yeah look and, and maybe we need a bank of them right maybe there needs to be a bank of them where there's a different story on every day or you know two or three stories on every day right during this week i noticed that there is one this week that I have come across um, uh, for um, a uh, fem- you know for a administrator with Sydney Olympic at the moment, right? Who you know is a young lady who's doing you know really well. So uh, it's a really good story to tell, and quite ambitious, and, and wants to make a difference in the world of football, and you know even at FIFA level, which is great, you know. So yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of stories to tell, and and that's what really appealed to me, and what I really liked a bit about our uh, chat with uh, Kat was that the stories are there and we forgot to even mention, and I was thinking about it whilst we were speaking to Kat, A-Legal Access, right? That's been brilliant. Yeah. Right? That's been brilliant. And credit to the A-Legs with regards to that because the stories are being told there and they're being told very well. Like, you know, there's a maturity to those stories. Yeah, there is. And the only thing I'll say is I want more. (laughs) There's there's (laughs) more players to tell their story and it doesn't have to be through A-Legal Access. No, nah. mm. there should be the onus on more media to cover these players and create some stories, create some feeling. Because for mine, looking at the other clubs, 
because there is such a high player churn, and it's not uncommon for players before they turn 25 to have five teams they've played mm. for in the A-League. Yeah. It's not yeah. uncommon. Yeah, I think you are missing that connection between supporters and some players. Yes, it's great when we have an international player come down that everyone falls in love with. The likes of Broich, Del Piero, Ninkovic, maybe prior to his Western City move, but yeah, but that's Broich, great. Yeah, that's great. But it's the Australian players we should also have that connection with. And because there is so much player turn, player churn, I don't think we get that. Mm. I don't think we get it. I think we miss out on that. But also because there isn't enough room to tell the stories, particularly of the Australian players. Yes, it's great that we get to hear from the international stars. We get to hear their story, how they came to these shores. But I also want to hear more about, say, the 21-year-old A-League player who's come through the system, who played MPL 1. Like, I want to hear more about Josh Nisbet, for instance. Mm. I want Cam- to hear more about his Cam- story. Yeah, Cam Papuyan. Yeah, exactly. Not, not an A-League player, but still, same thing. Yeah, but he's ended up at Brighton, uh, Albion, and playing yeah. you know, um, in the first team. There should be more focus on the stories in football. And yes, we don't want it to be completely that way. We need some more things that aren't just player stories, of course, but we need more. There needs to be more of a connection built. And look, we can try and do that in the episodes to come. We can get people on to come and tell their story. But it shouldn't be on fans to produce content that should be made by clubs. professional media. Mm. Or clubs. Or clubs. Or clubs. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Agree. Uh, did you see that Brighton... The owner of Brighton, Tony Bloom, mm-hmm. has decided to reward staff with a 20% bonus after they qualified for Europe. Good on him. I agree with you. Good on him because they're going to get a lot of money coming in from the European a TV one, rights. Yeah, a one-off annual salary increase of 20% for over 1,000 staff. Wow. And that's just not the players, not the coaching staff, but the entire club. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Beautiful. Great story. Absolutely. And yeah, Brighton, best-run club in England, possibly Europe, possibly the world. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say they're, they're, they're a pointy case for sure. Yeah, they're definitely worth looking yeah, into. Very much so. Mm. Should we talk about Juventus? Uh, so we got 15 points back and now we've lost 10. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Lost, right. them, down, lost them down the back of the couch. <laughs> like, what's happening, yeah, really? Let's, let's talk about Juve. Because we're going to upset some people, but that's okay, unfortunately. Yeah, Sorry I, to our Juventus-loving friends. That's all right. They can write in. <laughs> Please write in. <laughs> yes. Send letters to um, getting a 15-point penalty, having it rescinded temporarily. Now they've been handed out a 10-point penalty. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that Serie A are moving relatively fast with their processes and handing out penalties. It seems a little bit haphazard when you're giving out 15 points, taking it back, and you're awarding 10. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Well, Hey, what if did only you... the Premier League move just as fast with the... Uh, I knew you. This is, no, I was just waiting for you to say this. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say this. I thought, okay. I'm gonna, I had to get it in. I was going to say something and I thought, no, I'll wait. I'll, I'll ask mm. I'll ask you and I'll throw it back to you. What did you think of Juventus, <laughs> right? But I knew you were going to say this. I just had a feeling that eh, he's going to mention Manchester City here because it has to be a hope, you know, it has to Red be hopeful. Yeah, it has to be a hope for the... Um, for the t- for the treble, you know, a point deduction. Yes. Well, I know that Guardiola said, "Hey, that he'd like to have it sorted out within twenty four hours." And why can't the lawyers just get together? But I think the irony is, is that your club, Pep, doesn't want to actually, uh, you know, be uh, very cooperative with regard to that. So why don't you have a chat to your club owners and see if there's an issue there? 
because they're kicking up a stink that the the league council's an Arsenal supporter and suggesting that he can't be impartial. All right, give me a break. And that's just stalling tactics. Of course it is. Of course it is, 100%. Pep's playing 3D chess in his mind again. Yep. The man in the mirror. The man in the mirror. (laughs) There there it is again. (laughs) Oh, dear. Seriously. What do you make of the Juventus penalty? Fair? I think it is. I, I think it is. I thought, look, 12 points to begin with. But they ended up going down with 15. But, um, yeah, the fact that they've actually reinstated and decided to go on 10, it seems like it was a negotiation rather than, hey, listen, how about we just cut it down to 10? Yeah, okay, we'll cop that. We're not going to, we know, we lost the Scudetto anyway. We've got no chance of getting it. Cutting a deal. So we're cutting the <laughs> deal and, yeah, you know, just cut us, you know, 10 points and, ah, you know. Um, although I haven't had a look to see this uh, today, how it's affected their, um, their positioning with regards to off the top of my head. Can't remember. Need to have so a look at it now. You've had down to Europe. seventh. Yeah, so they've been seventh now. But they're only one point behind Roma and two points behind Atalanta. With two rounds to go. Still two rounds, yeah. So they can still so get they, into the Europa League. Yeah. They can get into Europa League, which I think is the, the best that they're gonna get. Well theoretically they could come fourth. But that's not realistic. Results would have to go their way though. Yeah, and no, that it won't happen. Yeah. Just because Milan would have to lose both games or get a draw out of one of them. And, yeah, oh, you think look. they'd be too too good to, uh, to for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, that's um, – look, it's a possibility. Highly unlikely, though, in my mind. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, um, so you've got, what, uh, Juventus on, now on 59 with two to go. Oof. Yeah, and they're five points behind uh, AC Milan. Jeez, so Milan would have to drop the two games, and um, Atalanta and Roma would have to lose as well, both games, just to make sure. And would you have it? We have Juventus against Milan this weekend. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? <laughs> Is that too much of a coincidence? Possibly. That they've given Juve still a glimmer of hope to get yeah. back into the top four? Possibly. So you've got Roma playing Fiorentina away. Yeah, so, yeah, it's um, – and the last round, well, Milan have got uh, Verona at home, so they're not going to lose that one. Well, they, they can afford – well, Juve can afford Milan getting a point. Yeah, Because that's true. Because the superior goal difference. Yes, that's true. Uh, whilst uh, Juventus are away to Udinese in the last round, so – Should be three. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, very interesting. Roma host that Spezia in the last round. So, oh, but maybe Jose's got all eyes in the cup final. I think so. I think that's their best chance of actually uh, getting through to the Champions League. Yeah. So, yeah. Germany. Mm. Yes. Do Dortmund throw it away this weekend? Oh, surely not. Surely not. I mean, they love throwing away games, they love throwing away title challenges. They're playing Mainz at home. At home, at home to Mainz, mid table side. Mines have nothing to play for. Surely. It shouldn't even matter who buying a plane. They're well, away at Cologne. They're away at Cologne, yes, correct. But it shouldn't matter what Bayern do this weekend. Surely. No, it, it shouldn't. Surely, 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 surely. This is Borussia Dortmund's to lose. Yeah. And look, they have prize for losing it, but really. This this is their chance. If they don't if they manage to throw it away this weekend, they won't win one for ten years plus because it looks like Jude Bellingham's gonna leave. Adiemi's probably going to leave. Marco Royce is getting into the real twilight, twilight. Of his career. Yep. yep. A lot of the players, I think, are 
looking at the exit door at Dortmund, ready to move on. And really, yes, they're a great club in the sense that they do pick up young talent, develop them, and sell them on for big money. But at some point, really, because we all consider Borussia Dortmund to be the number two club in Germany. Yes. Most most seasons, and based on rep, reputation. At some point, you have to turn that into a title challenge and a league title, sooner or later. And this is the one. It's I mean, they're two points in front. You're not going to get a better opportunity. You're at home. This is it, isn't it? <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. Uh, watch this space. Watch this space. Mm. I'm not confident. <laughs> Mate, me neither. That's what I'm saying. Watch this space. I, I, yeah. I'm not filled with great confidence, right? Uh, if there's one team that knows how to eke out a result, it's Bayern, right? So they they might do it away. Well, they will. You know, chances are they will do it away should uh, Dortmund slip up. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean and it's possible. Dortmund it is get possible. A, Dortmund get a draw. Bayern win. Bayern win the title on goal difference. You can see it, can't you? Of you course, can I, see I can see that happening. <laughs> and it'll be one pissed off yellow wall, I can tell you. Yep. And it would be on brand as well. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's the final round of the Bundesliga. Yes. Uh, also, the final round of the Eredivisie this weekend. Mm-hmm. As we'll circle back to Dutch football. Yes. Uh, for RZ against PSV and Twente against Ajax. Battle for second place is on there and the Champions League spot. Yep. Did you see Brood van Nistelrooy left PSV yesterday? Mm-hmm. T- today? Yes. Yes. Before the final game of the season. It's, yeah. That's it. See you later. Right now. Why? There must have been something behind the scenes. Well, we've spoken a lot of Dutch football today. We have. We won't that's be on good. this for much longer. No, 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 no. That's all right. No, no, no. I don't mind. I just find mm-hmm. it fascinating. But I mean, because there is a bit of news out there, that's for sure. But with regard to um, Van Nistelrooy, I just don't understand what... Yeah, there must have been a blow-up of some sort. Well, the claim was that he didn't feel supported enough by the board. But <sighs> I would say every manager it, going out the door would say that. I was going to say, isn't it a bit of Crimea River there? Yeah. Yeah. So, really, to say that... Because the season's not done for PSV. They could easily lose at RZ. Mm-hmm. Ajax win at Twente. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Ajax end up finishing second. And what would turn out to be a decent season for PSV second and the cup would turn out to be a little bit more of a disaster. So there's plenty mm. to play for this weekend. It's mm. interesting that I, the jury was out on Rude van der as a manager. He had his critics and he had those who were sort of in his corner. It seems, though, that second and a trophy will be considered a, a relatively good season. Yep. Coming around next time, you'd imagine Ajax would sort their rubbish out mm-hmm. and they, they'd be coming back stronger. Mm-hmm. But really, for him to walk out before the last game, just something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, is it because he might be um, making a move to England? Oh, it's way too soon for that. Surely, okay, way too soon. It's his first season in management. Yeah, but you never say never. I mean, look, mm. look at Vincent Company. Right, he ended up doing his uh, first job in England. So no, second job, second job. That's right. Sorry, I forgot that he was in uh, Belgium. But um, yeah, relatively unsuccessful in Belgium too. That's true. Own. That's true. But very successful at um, Burnley. At, uh, Burnley. Mm. You know, securing promotion into the Premier League. Did you see Domenico Crescito? No. In Sh- should I have? You should have. I'm surprised you missed it. Where he plays for Genoa now. Yep. And it's a, it was the last round of the Serie B last mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, that's okay. And he was retiring at the end of this season. Right. In the 93rd minute, he was subbed on for his final appearance. Oh, great. And in the 95th minute, Genoa get awarded a penalty. And he takes it. And he takes it. 
Awesome. And he scores. Brilliant. To win the game 4-3. How good's that? <laughs> Great way to bow out. Absolutely. No, take <laughs> I imagine a bow. if you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> take a bow. Well, he'd still take a bow, mate. If, you know, <laughs> it's his last game. Amazing. Yeah. No, brilliant. What are we looking forward to this weekend? Well, the richest game in club history, the annual event. Looking forward to Saturday night or Sunday morning, quarter yeah. to two, Wembley. <laughs> mm. Leighton, uh, I was going to say Leighton Orient, not Leighton Orient, Luton Leighton Town wish. Versus, <laughs> versus Coventry City and yeah, go yeah. Luton Town, go the Mad Hatters. I'm happy whichever way this game goes. Yes, it'd be fantastic to see Kenilworth Road in the Premier League. Oh, I think it would be awesome. But having Coventry City who were homeless a few years ago, mm-hmm. they've had so much financial trouble, they're down in League 2, as Luton were. I'll be happy yeah, with either side who comes up. It's a, it's a proper throwback, l- both these sides. But Luton Town were in the conference. Mm, they were. Right, so they've come from a lower base. And there is currently a player there at Luton Town. His well, name's right, right now. There you go. Who would actually be the first player that would be promoted with the same club all the way through. It'd be the which first would be time incredible. Ever. Yeah, mm. first time ever. So I'm cheering for Luton Town on that basis. Yeah, it'd be a great story. Great story. And, yeah, flies in the face of uh, all the Watford supporters to see Luton up in the Premier League. Oh, who are Watford? <laughs> uh, but yeah, as I say, if Coventry come through, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it at all. Yeah, like, no, that's fair enough. Their badge is like proper old school English football. True. Very true. And I think that's indicative of the the club and the style of football as well. It'd be great mm. to see them back in the soft light after a long time in the wilderness. They were, they were a big club in the 80s. They were indeed. I remember Luton Town in the 80s. Yes. Before there my time. It was before your time, <laughs> I, and I'm not afraid to say that I do remember them. So there you go. That's fair enough. So what else is uh, in the pipeline for this weekend for you? Uh, League One playoff final, last yep. Sheffield Wednesday, and yep. we should mention that unbelievable oh, comeback. Forgot, I can't believe we didn't even get a chance to talk about it. Yeah. That was insane. I've never seen anything like it. And that was insane. To, to steal Martin Tyler's line, I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. No, this is very true. But did you mm. see, I also actually, I mean, I'm, like uh, I've posted something on my uh, LinkedIn. I haven't even thought about posting it on uh, Insta with regards to the speech in the sheds by the coach of Sheffield Wednesday after they've secured qualification to the promotion playoff final. Mm. And yeah. it is, I think Gary Neville actually got it and then I, I shared it. It is just sensational. Absolutely sensational, right? And the respect shown from the gaffer to his players and then the um, captain speaking on that half. So if you go to my LinkedIn page, you'll see it there. It's just absolutely, you know, inspirational. And for that reason, I hope that Sheffield Wednesday get through. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we've seen Barnsley up and down. We've seen Sheffield Wednesday who are only not long relegated to League One. So they're two sizable clubs and you'd think too big for League One. But, uh, yeah, based off that comeback alone, I'm with you. Mm. It'd be great for them to see it through because look, if they lose on, uh, what is it, Sunday night, Sydney time, it does sort of pop the balloon a little bit of oh, no last, doubt. Week, last week's heroics. I mean, an incredible story, right? Down 4-0, mm. going into the uh, second leg, yeah, finished the second leg of 4-0 in the mm. 96th minute, like so sixth minute or seventh minute of injury time, go down a goal, then come back and get it during extra time for it to be sent into penalties. And as soon as it went into penalties, you knew that uh, it was destiny. 
How do so, you feel if you were that Shepherd Wesley fan who ripped up your ticket? Well, between I the games, I don't feel any sympathy for him at all. It's hard to. <laughs> it is indeed. It is indeed. Oh, how would you feel? How do you yeah. feel? So yeah, so that's uh, that's where that's at, I think. But um, should oh, also look. mention the League Two final. Yeah. So uh, what the, is that? Uh, is that a long weekend again in the UK? It must be. It must be. Yeah, because um, that must be Coventry Monday. Luton's at um, well, Coventry Luton is Sunday at quarter to two. Mm. League One player final actually on Monday night. A bit Monday night. night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a two, long weekend again in the UK. League Two player final, Carlisle mm. Stockport, Sunday ten thirty. Mm. It, it's funny, Nathan, though, that normally that one's uh, the Premier League playoff is normally played on the uh, on the Monday tradition, yeah. from what I understood. But yeah, yeah, it's out of place a little bit. Usually it goes mm. League Two, League One championship. Yeah, correct. Yeah, mm. I don't know why it's out of order. I'm sure they've got a reason for it. Uh, the Brits have had their uh, fair share of long weekends this uh, this month. They love it, eh? <laughs> I love a bank holiday weekend. <laughs> uh, is someone getting coronated again this weekend? I don't know. Maybe, anyway, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe the uh, change of orders due to maybe it's rail strikes again. I'm not sure. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. Okay. That'd be my guess, but it Fair might enough. be an unfounded one. Fair enough. What Fair else enough. are you looking forward to this weekend, Les? Uh, well, I mean, look, things are starting to wind uh, down a little. I mean, there's still a few. Um, a few leagues around Europe and and the like that uh, that uh, we need to keep an eye on. Obviously, we said the Bundesliga and uh, Syria, and um, but I'm actually um, hopeful of uh, trying to catch some World Cup under twenty action this week because it's already kicked off. It has, yeah. So um, yeah, it's uh, hopefully we can manage to um, to to get around that as well. But uh, I noticed with interest that um, our Kiwi cousins uh, kicked off the campaign with a two-all draw. And uh, the hosts, Argentina, have uh, notched up a win, 3-0. So the unlikely hosts. Yeah. And as I say, this tournament should have been taking place a couple of weeks later. I mentioned this on an episode Mm. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Why you couldn't host this tournament outside of the European League season Mm. is beyond me. Mm. Let's have the best young players in the world play at this tournament. Mm. So as it, as it stands now, right? So we're we're kind of halfway into it, right? So two games have been played. So we've basically got the last round. So New Zealand are on uh, four points. Argentina hosts two wins, so six points. So they look uh, the more than likely to to go through because I think that they actually play each other in the last round. Yep, that's right. So you know uh, you've got um, the United States on top in Group B, while Slovakia and Ecuador and Fiji, are uh, that's the running order there at the moment. Colombia and Japan are top of Group C, with Israel and Senegal a point each. And uh, Group D, Nigeria, Brazil and Italy in that group. Nigeria on six points in, in first place, whilst Brazil and Italy are on three points apiece. Uh, group E and Dominican Republic uh, rounds out that group. It's group E. Which is interesting. So these are uh, they've only played one game, and uh, Uruguay and England are uh, on top of that group, whilst the Tunisia Iraq round out that group at the bottom. And then you have in Group F, Gambia and Korea Republic on three points apiece. France and Honduras are at the bottom of Group F. And uh, amazing, couple... South Korea beating France. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, you've got Uruguay and England playing against each other um, tomorrow morning. So, yeah. So it's a bit of a watch this space. So I'm looking was forward to that. Was it the last under-20 World Cup in India that England won it, or was that the one before? I think it was the one before, I want to say. Shall we go, Laz, overseas to our teams? Indeed, indeed. Let's do that. Let's do that. Where shall we start? Indeed, we shall. So uh, where shall we start? I think we should start in Asia. Yeah. And I think we should start in mm, Vietnam. Oh, I'm Vietnam. surprised you said that. Let's go Vietnam. No, I'm surprised you said that I because we had the back bank derby last weekend. Yes, I know. I know. But look, and, uh, let's just, look. yeah, and it, and it wasn't great. <laughs> Not great for some. No, it wasn't great. <laughs> so Ho Chi Minh City went down to Kong An Hanoi. Yeah. 3-5. 3-5, what a scoreline. <laughs> uh, look, you know, entertaining game all around, right? Just a pity we mm. couldn't see it. Yeah. And for those of you that are new to the back peg, we are following a couple of leagues that we, you know, may be considered obscure to the Australian public, but, you know, um, so we... And some more obscure than others. Yeah, that's right. So... Uh, yeah. Ho Chi Minh City have come back from the break and they're not in great form. So some last, aren't they? But you know, I mean, you know who's playing at uh, Ho Chi Minh City though? Joel Campbell. Oh, really? Did you know that? Yeah. Is he there? Wow. Yeah. So not great, but there you go. Hmm. He's not doing too much though, because you guys are bottom of the table. Yes, correct. So and we're up to yeah. third. Yeah, he might, have to, he might have to be transferred very soon. So, <laughs> HMN City uh, went down. Uh, so, the score was uh, down 2-4 at halftime and down 3-5 at uh, full-time. So. Crazy game. Crazy game. Crazy game, indeed. And, Laz, there's only five games left of the regular season before the split. Before the uh, promotion and relegation um, playoffs take place. Yeah. Yeah, it's not looking good for HMN City. No, it's not. Back no, to, it's not. And, back, to uh, dud, back to dud there. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, <laughs> these things happen. Uh, they do. And uh, my guys, Kong An, we're at home next against Song Lam, who are 10th in the table. So, uh, be expecting yes. the three points. Well, you know, and you should. You should. So, uh, your whilst uh, Ho Chi Minh City are playing uh, away. Um, and, I th- in fact, I think they're playing. Yeah, they're playing away on Saturday. Playing away on Saturday night uh, against Hong Lin Hartin, who are in seventh place at the mid table. Chance for something there for you. Oh, maybe you a know, point. Maybe a point. Maybe three. Who knows? <laughs> we can live in hope. But let's go. We're, yes, we're at other ends of the table. Let's go to Korea mm. and go to the K League One. How did your which you can, boys get on? Which can be viewed on Optus Sports. We should mention. Mm hmm. Uh, even though they're not sponsors, but uh, we say that every week. We say that every week, but hey, you never know. You never is know. Is that their official week. title now? Optusport, not that they're a sponsor. Optusport. But... No, that's right. <laughs> Optusport, not that they're a sponsor of the back yeah, peg. That, I yeah. think they put that in the top right of the screen now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Correct. So uh, we've got, um, um, what have we got? I want to say that it was the 14th round, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I can it was. That, uh, my Poang Steelers had a nil all draw against Gang Wan. Gang Wan, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whilst um, Seoul Seoul FC had a one all draw against Jeju United, mm. which uh, meant that it's uh, as you were with uh, Seoul being in second place on twenty four points. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, your friendly team is now on 24 as well, in the fourth. Yeah. And just and behind on got, goal difference. We've got Jongbuk on the weekend. Mm. Strong club. Seventh they are. Yeah. Mm. Very strong club, though, in Korea. Only 12 teams but, in the K-League. But, so yeah, but there's a lot what, of depth. Yeah, there is. But you know what's very surprising? Oh, I'm surprised with Sue on Blue Wings being at, yeah. the, at the bottom. I mean, you know, mm. they were a few years back. They were in the ACL Champions League and, and you know, a powerhouse in the Champions League. So it's really yeah. um, interesting to see how uh, Sue yeah, on Blue Wings have fallen off. But, they've um, had their wings clipped. They've had their wings clipped. Very badum ching. Oh, dear. But um, I'll have to pay that one. But Seoul are uh, playing at home. 5.30 Sunday afternoon against Gangwon, who are lying in 11th. So, yeah. Well, we couldn't beat them. You guys might be able to. Correct. So, across the Japanese, or the Korea Peninsula to Japan. Yes. I believe that's the body of the water between Japan and Korea. I believe it's the Korean Peninsula, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the Korean Peninsula is not going to be a body of water. Or whatever it is. <laughs> there's a bit of water. There's a bit of water between Korea and uh, of, uh, between Korea and Japan. It's the Sea of Japan. It's the Sea of Japan. Is it? There you go. Mm. Thank you very much for that, Nathan. Certainly not the Korean Peninsula. Uh, Peninsula famously land formations. Is it? Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but how did FC Tokyo get on? I, I thought. I thought. Yeah. There you go. So you're about to your greater knowledge of uh, land formations. <laughs> um. Too busy surfing here. So, Tokyo. Uh, I bow to your knowledge of picking Japanese teams, I think. The Tokyo FC won all against Kashima Antlers. But, um, yeah, sitting pretty uh, in 10th on 19 points, whilst uh, your uh, lovely team, Kawasaki Frontale. Yeah, we lost. We lost against the bottom team, Yokohama FC 2 1. 2 1. But uh, still sitting. We we dropped behind you now. Yeah, still sitting in 11th on 18 points. So. Long way to go yet. Long way to go. And Kawasaki Frontale have another team towards the bottom of the table this weekend. We're at home against Kashiwa Real. Mm-hmm. A chance to uh, pick up three points and mm. get back on track. Yeah, indeed. What about Tokyo? Whilst I'm waiting for the uh, Tokyo FC to load. Where is it? Here we go. There we go. Against, uh, of course, the uh, front runners, Vissel Kobe and Iniesta. Speaking of, he's leaving at the end yeah. of the season. Yes, he is. But that was known already. Would you have him down here? If he wants to come down here, why not? Would you knock him back, someone of that experience? I wonder how much he's got in his legs still, mm. being 39, look, pushing yeah. 40. No, you're right. But look, I mean, Diamante was uh, pushing 40. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so was Del Piero. So, you know, I've got no no doubt that he would be able to handle himself quite well. But what might be surprising is it would be interesting to get these players' takes on how – they view players in the A-League, right? And the, the style of play in the A-League and um, the standard of the league. And look, as long as they're not pissing in your pocket when they come down here and they give us a, a brutal assessment of what it is. And if the brutal assessment is, hey, it's better than what you guys actually think and it's, you know, it's a good standard and that's where you can go off, right? So... And we've heard it before that that you know that um, that players are surprised by one the physicality of the league, sure, but to the athleticism of the players, um, we we do tend to run a lot more in the game, right here, um, 
and stats prove that through GPS tracking of players. But to hear their take on what the quality of the football that's played and um, their surprise on that is is good to see and, and good to hear. So hopefully um, we can, we would get someone of that caliber. And I think though Iniesta is going to hang them up if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it would be interesting to get those those kind of professional players and their take on what the A-League is. You don't want it to be a, a league of retirees, right? And we've said that before. Well, I think at some point you also need to get another name back in. Oh, 100%. Iniesta is a name, of course. Yeah. Might Look, be, if you go off what they've achieved in the game. Uh, that's a debate if you want to have a debate for another day. Might be the best player to grace these shores in the A-League era anyway. Mm. Maybe. Mm, yeah. It's probably between him and Del Piero. Yeah, sure. Look, I think Del Piero was probably, even though Sydney didn't win any like any titles with Del Piero. They didn't even make the finals. No, that's right. right. But um, I think, you know, it was entertaining. So, yeah, no, I understand what uh, your point is there. And because I think Sydney didn't do too well with Del Piero on the team, I think you would struggle to find another club who would put their hand up to take Iniesta. Brisbane. Would the backers fork out the money to get him? Of course not. Don't be silly. Yeah. So he's not going to Brisbane. <laughs> that club's a mess. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and yeah. Anyway, it's it's a crying shame, actually. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And uh, I think if it wasn't for Newcastle being owned by the APL currently, while they're looking for a, a buyer, Brisbane would be yeah. in the same boat now. That's been going on for three years, then, or two. Two and a bit. Yeah. Close enough on three. Way too long. Yeah. And we keep hearing little tidbits. Oh, it's close. Oh, there's a buyer. Oh, mm. someone, someone in prospect, but just nothing really. So hopefully if that can get sorted before too much longer because it is ridiculous. And look, you know, you would like to see the Newcastle Jets back up there and actually doing well. They've got a great, you know, they've got a really good coach in Arthur Pappas. Um, you know, it's, and when you see what the uh, neighbours are doing down the road, on a shoestring budget, effectively, there's no reason why Newcastle can't, uh, you know, can't equip themselves in a similar way. I think. Yeah. And look, Nick Montgomery's done an amazing job down there at the Central Coast. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely, completely. And as we said earlier, I hope they win next weekend. Yeah, but uh, we'll talk about that next week. That we so, will because we have to go to Colombia, Les. Yes, let's go to Colombia. Because I'm still coming to terms with how the league works. And I said <laughs> last week they're on break. You, you and me both. <laughs> I said last week that it was the end of the season, end of the yeah, uh, it was the upper, It was the closing of the Apertura. Yep. But uh, little did I know is that they have playoffs. That's what I was telling you, though. It's the closing. Yeah. 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 The, I, the, I didn't realize the, how the, the league works. So, the, quad, uh, the quadrangular. Two groups of four, and the winners of the groups go through to the final. Home Correct. away. Correct. I've gone I've gone and actually worked out how Colombian football works now. because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. American to Cali did make it into the top eight. Well, that's right, but you know, hey, Deportivo Cali didn't, but anyway. No. And America had a one all draw against Chico, and the other game of the group also went to one all, so it's all square after the first match day. Next up for America to Cali is against Independiente Medellin. Mm-hmm. Very so, cool. Very cool. How that goes well, out. Just it? need to see how the clausura goes when um, when it's time for the clausura to come back. Mm. 
So the, it's the interesting, op- isn't it? But is, is think- so the opening or the closing. That's what I'm yeah. waiting for now. <laughs> it's interesting that they have two league champions, Abadura and the Cruzeiro. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's. I think if I may be mistaken, but I believe that there used to be a the winner of the Apertura and the winner of the Clausura in South America traditionally play off, and then that becomes the overall league winner, right? Oh, so, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I may be mistaken, but I believe that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's time to farewell. I think it is. I think we've hit the back peg, Les. Uh, I think officially now, Nathan, we have hit the back peg. You've got an important game in the morning. Yes. Well, like you, but uh, your team of choice. I'm suited and booted. I can see that already. <laughs> right. I thought I'll, I'll just wear the Newcastle jersey retro, you know, the Newcastle United retro jersey just uh, for shits and giggles tonight. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I can see you're in uh, fine form wearing the uh, Manchester United jersey. But yeah. um, I got the away kit on. You do have the away kit on. As we speak. This yeah. is the one they launched in Melbourne back in July. Okay. All right. And it's much better than the lime kit, that's for sure. Yeah, I think the lime kit's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, well, it's the end of the season ever. I think that didn't yeah. last long, did it? No, no. So, uh, good riddance. Okay. But, <laughs> Although, all, all jokes aside, I would like to see the old uh, Newton Heath uh, green and yellow jersey if they ever did yeah, that. I, I think the Glazers, whilst the Glazers are owning it, you're never no going to have one. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be great once the new owners come in, if that is a, a, you, a new kit design. You mean the Qataris? Oh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Please, no. Please, uh, no. It's yeah. not even that Jim Ratcliffe is a better bid. It's just not Qatari. Yeah. I get it. I understand. Look, I understand. <sighs> I understand. But anyway, yeah. Nathan? I mean, Premier League in five years' time might be a, a Middle Eastern proxy war. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It seems it's going It's going to go that way. But yeah, as long as Newcastle United win the Premier League by then, I'll be happy though. Because it was anyone but Ashley, and that's saying something. Yeah. Thing is, if the Qataris don't buy Manchester United, they go and buy someone else. Well, yeah, but look, the Glazers will still be involved whilst Ratcliffe is there. Even if it's a minority stake, I don't mind. Okay. If if Ratcliffe has 51% or more, and the talk is he's buying 69%, then I don't mind. Fair enough. Fair enough. As long as they're not calling the shots. Fair enough. Anyway, well, it we can happen. talk about it, United it take over a little bit later. Not, not at all. Actually, I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't happen to a better club. But there you go. <laughs> and on that note, yeah, on that, yeah, on that note, there's the party Time shots. Go. Time to go. <laughs> there's the party shots. <laughs> all right. Oh, I've had enough of my week glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, an absolute pleasure as always. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely the same, Les. Yeah, Love go away. Come on here each week. <laughs> <laughs> no, please follow us at the Backpeg on uh, Twitter uh, yep. and Instagram. Um, yeah, Nathan's doing a killer job on on the Twitter, and uh, yeah, likewise you on Insta, Les, yeah. and so, follow our personals as well. Indeed, and, indeed. Uh, thanks again for Cat Dad for coming on to the Backpeg this week. Yep, yeah, really appreciate it. Indeed. And thank you as well to you, Laz, for uh, getting that organised. Nah, Nathan. Hats uh, off. Yeah, look, I will just uh, try to keep on keeping on. We'll see who we have next week. Indeed. And in the lead up Uh, to the Women's World Cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. So So, thank you to the Backpackers for tuning into this episode, and we'll speak to you soon. Take care, all.